Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. God has given us an incredible gift called life. It's a precious gift. How do we make the most of it? That's the subject of today's message from First Pres Executive Director Chris Pan. Good morning. All right. Uh, I'm Chris Pan. I'm the Executive Director of the church. And we're continuing in our Alpha Sermon Series this morning, uh, where we're exploring the core beliefs of what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. A reminder about why we're doing this Alpha Sermon Series um, for a few reasons. One, it's always good to kind of review and go over and explore our core beliefs. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does the Bible mean? What is, um, how do we pray? Who is Jesus? Uh, yesterday, we had the Alpha Day away, and uh, that was all day, just about who is the Holy Spirit, how to be filled and baptized by the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you missed that or are interested in finding out more about the Holy Spirit, we'll be doing a Zoom version online today at 1 p.m. So just click on the website and um, join us. Uh, but in addition to just kind of exploring our core beliefs, one of the reasons we're doing Alpha now is because we run the Alpha course two or three times a year. And the Alpha course is primarily geared for people who are non-Christians, people who have not met Jesus yet. So the reason we're taking the whole congregation through this is so that you know what is in that course. And as we run the course throughout the year and throughout the future years, you will be able to invite your friends and let them know, here's the content, here's what's going through, I'll join you. It is not weird or spooky at all, uh, so that you'll have a sense of what um, your friends and family members might be going through in Alpha. Um, I just want to say we had a, a great Alpha Day away. I mentioned it yesterday. We had eight people uh, who reaffirmed their baptisms, and it's one of the highlights is to be able to see kind of people reaffirm their baptisms. Young James is one of our camera guys. He was one of the people who uh, reaffirmed his baptisms. So on your way out, say hello to them. And a huge thank you to our tech team uh, in general. I just wanted to start today. Um, we've got videos today and slides. And so thank you to the tech team who does an amazing job of both the in-person service and everything you see online. Yeah. Thank you, tech team. Okay, uh, our sermon title today is, How Can I Make the Most of the Rest of My Life? Nice and easy, 20 minutes, we'll be out of here. Be ready to go make the most of the rest of your life. Uh, thank goodness that God is real, because uh, if we're going to answer that question this morning, he's going to need to speak, uh, not just me. And so as we go through our sermon, ask yourself these two questions. What is God saying to me, and what does he want me to do about it? What is God saying to me, what does he want me to do about it? Will you join me now in prayer? Heavenly Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we invite you now to speak to us. May we be transformed, not just informed. May we be inspired. God, we invite you now to speak to us and to change us, and we offer ourselves to you. We pray this all in the strong name of Jesus Christ, and all God's children say, amen. Let's look at what the Bible says about our question today. In the book of Romans, it says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's unpack that verse, and uh, we'll do so by looking at three questions that arise out of this passage. So how can I make the most of the rest of my life? We'll look at what should we do, 
how do we do it, and why should we do it? Should stand over here, right? Like, uh, <laughs> thank you, camera crew. Thank you, tech team. Uh, first, what should we do? Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do we have that slide? Can we bring the next slide? I'll stand on the right spot. There you go. Um, uh, well, <laughs> the verse should say, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's the middle section of our um, passage today. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When we decide to follow Jesus, we break from the past, and we make a new start. And uh, there are two key words here, uh, conform and transform. And really, there are two key instructions here. One's negative, one's positive. The negative one is, do not conform to the pattern of this world or to the schemes of this evil age. And then the positive instruction is, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Do not be conformed. Our earthly fallen world, as we know too well, is broken. It is marked by war and the struggle for power and aggression towards others and selfish advancement. It's marked by greed and violence. And we see this not just on the news in Ukraine, but we see this in our own daily lives. We see this in our office, in our homes. We see this in our school. We see this in our church. We see this in our relationships. And we see this in ourselves. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Or as another translation puts it, do not be conformed to the evil schemes, the schemes of this evil age. Here is a picture of a chameleon. Uh, chameleons blend in. They conform. Uh, if you want to make the most of the rest of your life, say no to the chameleon of conformity, the conformity chameleon. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. When we become followers of Jesus, we become citizens with a new home, a heavenly home, a home in the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is an upside-down kingdom, a kingdom that values totally different things than the schemes of our evil age, our broken and fallen world. In God's kingdom, Jesus says, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. He said, blessed are those who mourn. He said, blessed are the meek and the poor in spirit. He said, blessed are peacemakers. In God's kingdom, the foolish shame the wise. And God's power is reflected in weakness. In God's kingdom, the greatest shall be a servant. And all of this is reflected in the life of Jesus himself. There's a passage in the book of Hebrews that I love, Hebrews chapter 11. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of fame of faith. It goes through all these giants and heroes of the Bible, uh, people like Abraham and Sarah and Noah, people who had faith and believed in the promises of God, heroes who knew that their true home wasn't here in this world, but that they had a heavenly home. Here's the verse speaking about these heroes. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. If they had longed for a country they came from, for the country they came from, they could have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, the pursuit of the big house or fancy car, getting lots of likes and shares, the cable news idolatry, the TikTok and Instagram idolatry. That's not our home. Say no to the conformity chameleon. We're looking for a better place. We have a heavenly homeland. 
When my kids were little, little we were uh, living in San Mateo, which is about 30 miles, uh, 30 minutes outside of um, San Francisco. Uh, and my parents, who live in Connecticut, came in to visit their grandkids. My parents still live in Connecticut. I think they're worshiping with us today. Hi, Mom and Dad. I love you very much. Um, so they live in Connecticut. That is a, uh, a relevant part of this story. Um, we'll come back later. Uh, but one day, you know, as they were visiting us in San Mateo, they offered to uh, pick up our kids from daycare. Uh, they were going to go up to the city and visit some relatives in San Francisco, have some lunch, see some sights, and then go pick up our kids. And pickup time at daycare is 5 p.m. So 5 p.m. rolls along and uh, rolls around. I'm sitting in my office, and I get a call from the daycare. And they say, hey, is anyone going to pick up your kids today? And I say, yeah, yeah, my parents are going to pick up my kids. Uh, let me find out what's going on. And so I call my parents, and, um, well, let me start, and let me like, like a pause here and uh, say, this is back in the day before we all had uh, free GPS in our pockets all the time. This is back in the day where, if you can show the next slide, you have to buy these standalone GPS units that were like uh, brick-sized, and you, know, you program them, you carry them around. I, find this picture, I found this picture off of eBay. You can buy that now for $2.94. <laughs> um, Anyway, my parents had brought their GPS with them, so, you know, things shouldn't have been a problem. So let's back to our story. Uh, I call my parents and I say, hey, are you going to pick up the kids today? And they say, yeah, yeah, we're on our way there. So I ask them, uh, well, when will you arrive? Because, you know, even back then, it had your estimated time of arrival down in the corner. And they say, it doesn't say. I think, what do you mean it doesn't say? Is it five minutes away, ten minutes away? And they say, no, it doesn't say. It's just a few dashes on the bottom. And so I say, okay, well, then forget about that. Just tell me then, where are you? Like, Read me a street sign, tell me just kind of where you're located. And they say, okay, well, we're on the highway, and uh, the signs say, Sacramento in 10 miles. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with the San Francisco barrier, let me show you a map. Um, that's San Mateo, that's San Francisco, and that's Sacramento, uh, 105 miles away. And so I say, what do you mean, Sacramento? Tell me exactly what you did when you got in the car. And they say, well, we were in San Francisco, we were visiting your aunt, we had lunch, and we were going to come back to your house to pick up the kids. So we got into the car, and we hit home on the GPS. And we've been driving ever since. And so I ask, when you hit home, did you ever update the address to my address? Because otherwise, the GPS is taking you on a trip to your home, which is in Woodbridge, Connecticut. Again, a map here might be helpful. That's San Mateo, and that's Woodbridge, Connecticut, 2,998 miles away. The trip that the GPS was taking my parents on is that map right there. Uh, and the trip that they're taking on is because they never updated where home was. When we follow Jesus, we have to update where home is. When we follow Jesus, we have to update where home is, because otherwise we're going the wrong way. It's just easy to default to the pattern of this world, to go back to what's familiar, what we're used to, chase after those old dreams, that old home of the world's priorities and the world's definition of success. The rapper J. Cole, you all know the rapper J. Cole, of course. It's a joke. Um, he has a lyric in one of his songs, and he says this, the good news is you came a long way. The bad news is, you went the wrong way. We have a new home, and to make the most of the rest of our lives, you have to calibrate everything in the direction of our new home. Do you know the direction of your new home? The book of Philippians highlights this. It says of those who have, 
who haven't updated their new home, people who are enemies of the cross, says this of them, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their stomach. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. But we, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly awaiting for him to return as our savior. We are citizens of heaven. That is our new home. So what can we do today or this week or this month or for the rest of our lives to move towards that new home, to embrace our citizenship in heaven? Very important note here. When I say that our citizenship is in heaven, our home is in heaven, that does not mean that we are just waiting around to be beamed up to heaven. Uh, And that what goes around us on this earth the pain and the suffering and the war does not matter. I think there's a pervasive misconception among Christians that we're just waiting or hoping for a ticket out of here, ticket out of the mess that this is, that's this world. But the reality is as citizens of heaven, it's exactly the opposite. We pray the Lord's prayer every week. We'll be praying it after communion today. And our prayer is, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom come here on earth to us as it is in heaven. Our prayer is not beam me up from earth to where your kingdom is. Our prayer is not it's a mess down here. Get me up there. Our prayer is it's a mess down here. Your kingdom come here to us and through us. We are ambassadors of God's new kingdom. We're agents of his kingdom through whom he works to bring his change and his kingdom to earth. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Do not be conformed, but be transformed. Are we being transformed? I love this idea of being transformed, of transformation. Here, is a picture of a butterfly. Butterflies transform from weird little caterpillars to beautiful flying creatures. Say no to the conformity chameleon and say yes to the transformation butterfly. Be transformed. We are being changed, transformed into the likeness of Jesus. His patience, his love, his kindness, his compassion. I've been thinking more and more that when we come to church or read the Bible, when we attend conferences, I know I like to, and I think we like to, just be informed. We like to learn new things, hear funny stories, learn something about God. But our verse doesn't say, be informed. It says, be transformed. And to be transformed and not just informed, we need to be inspired. Inspire, the word comes from inspiro, Latin, to breathe in. And literally, we must breathe in the Spirit of God. Because the first doesn't say, go, transform yourself. It says, be transformed. It's the Holy Spirit that acts upon us and within us to transform us. Breathe in the Spirit of God. We take just a moment now, like 30 seconds. Let's just close our eyes. Let's breathe in the Spirit of God. Let's yield 
to the voice and the power and the presence of God here in this space, in your homes, in this sanctuary. Let's yield to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit within us. Breathe in the Holy Spirit. Amen. That was point number one on how can we, I make the most of the rest of my life. That was what should we do? Do not be conformed, but be transformed. Two, how do we do it? Uh, point two, how do we do it? How do we make the most of the rest of our lives? Back to our verse today. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You know, I was hoping for something like, offer two hours on Sunday morning and the loose change you find in your cup holder. Uh, But nope. Uh, Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. We celebrated Ash Wednesday last week, and we've begun our 40-day fast for Lent. And the reason we fast, the point of Lent, is to focus on the journey to Good Friday and Easter. And that journey is a journey to the cross. It's a journey of sacrifice. In the Old Testament, there are two types of sacrifices. There's a sacrifice of atonement, of reconciliation. And then there's also a sacrifice of celebration after the atonement has been made. And I want to tell you, the atonement and that sacrifice has been made by Jesus Christ once and for all, forever and ever, amen. And now we offer ourselves as living sacrifices, a sacrifice of celebration after the atonement has been made. The philosophy at the time that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter and wrote these words were that physical things like bodies were bad and spiritual things were good. And so for Paul to say, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice was a crazy thought. It was to say that as followers of Jesus, we offer our whole selves, not just that spiritual part or that Sunday morning part, our whole selves, our heart, but also our hands and our eyes and our ears and our mouth. What we see, what we say, what we do. Our bodies mean so much more Our bodies are with us all the time. And so it includes all the things that we do every day, all our tasks, all our time, all our priorities, all our ambitions. Offering ourselves as a living sacrifice sounds awfully inconvenient. You know, I wish there was a less demanding way to get the most out of the rest of our lives, a way that doesn't involve so much sacrifice. I shared before that the reason I have this job I have now is because I heard the pastor and author Francis Chan speak at this very pulpit um, almost exactly eight years ago. He spoke at the HIM conference and then he preached at our church. Uh, side note, reminder, sign up for the HIM conference. It's free this year. Uh, when Francis Chan preached here, at that time he said he was 47 years old. And he said, I'm 47 um, and my dad was 60 when he dies, when he died. And so Francis Chan said, you know, maybe I only have 13 years, life, uh, 13 years of life left. Uh, what am I going to do with that time? Should I just play it safe and just, you know, be safer and safer? Or uh, ease myself into retirement and death? And Francis Chan said he didn't want to do that. That he wants to take greater and greater risks 
for God, for the kingdom. Because what did he have to lose? Uh, I am not Francis Chan, and so I want you to hear Francis Chan. Um, this is a video clip. It is very bad quality. <laughs> um, let me warn you from that. And it's from him preaching, not here, but at a conference. And a conference that had a stage big enough to put a full-size balance beam on the stage. Um, Two-minute snippet of his talk. And he starts by standing on that balance beam. And this message, or version of this message that he gave here, changed my life. So I wanted it to show you today. Whatever, you know, you just, there's so much instability, so much that we don't understand, that, that we don't know. For me, growing up, it was, uh, a lot of you guys know, my mom died giving birth to me, and my dad remarried, then my stepmom died in a car accident when I was nine, then my dad got married again, then my dad died of cancer when I was 12. And so I'm in junior high, my mom's dead, my stepmom's dead, my dad's dead. The only close relatives I had were my, my aunt and uncle, George and Sandra. And then when I was in high school, they got in a fight, and my uncle George shot and killed my aunt, and then stuck the gun to his own head, killed himself. So I'm 16 years old, and this is life to me, going, man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried, we get a little scared. And this is what Christians do, you know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky, and things get a little unstable, and so we go, okay, that was nuts. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to live like that. Let me, uh, let me hold on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what? I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here, and uh, I'm just going to hold on. And uh, this is what you look like. You just go, uh, this is what people do. You know what? I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to... Um, you know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids, make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to, um, you know, I'm not going to let them outside because sun has bad rays. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on. And you just live your life in the safety of I don't want to do anything crazy for God. I just, I just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give like 2%. Um, and uh, maybe serve, help the nursery, because I feel guilty. And then you do this your whole life, and then you, you go, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what, I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it, and then just go up to heaven. And so you want to die like this, just in your sleep, ooh, right in the middle of a dream, good dream, the dream where you're going to heaven and you don't even feel it, and then suddenly you wake up, you stand before the judge, and you go. When you made those points here, it shook me up. It blew me away and inspired me to take more risks for the kingdom of God. It inspired me to start offering more and more of my life to God as a living sacrifice. The pastor Sam Shoemaker has this quote, to be a Christian means to give as much as myself as I can to as much of Jesus Christ as I know. I'll read it again. To be a Christian means to give as much of myself as I can to as much of Jesus Christ as I know. As we grow to know Jesus more, then we have more and more to give. Nikki Gumbel, the founder of Alpha, has said, Jesus didn't come to make life easy. He came to make people great. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What is God saying to you now? What does he want you to do about it? Let's pause again, just for a few moments, 
and let the Holy Spirit speak. What is God saying to you? What does he want you to do about it? I invite you to take time this day, this week, to soak into the presence of God, create some time and space to explore those questions again and again. How can I make the most of the rest of my life? We've answered, what should we do? Do not be conformed or be transformed. We're answered, how do we do it? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, number three, why should we do it? As we come to think about how to make the most of the rest of our lives, we come to why. And apologies to Simon Sinek, who, those of you who read that book, we're not starting with him, we're going to end with him. Why? Why? And the answer is, in view of God's mercy. In view of God's mercy. Or in light of God's mercy. We live in response to God's mercy. God's mercy is that we don't get what we deserve. We, don't, we deserve punishment for our sins we deserve alienation from God forever and ever. But that's not what we get. What we get is God's mercy. We get God's gift of grace through Jesus, that we can know God and be known by God, that we can love God and be loved by God. Pastor Tim Shaw and I recently came back from our denominational meeting in Dallas, Texas. And while we were there, there was a school teacher who led one of the prayers and shared a bit. And she's a first grade teacher and she was sharing about uh, a classroom exercise she did one day. They were playing a, a math game. and It was a knockout math game with their first graders. And as they were playing, most of the kids were getting wrong answers. And so they were getting knocked out of the game. And so she decided to let the kids who had been knocked out back into the game, explaining it's because of mercy. And one of the little first graders asks, what's mercy? And she explains, oh, mercy is getting another chance, even though you don't deserve it. And this little boy yells, I love mercy. I love mercy. Can we have that enthusiasm when we realize that God has given us chance after chance, even though we don't deserve it? You know what's better than one mercy? Two mercy. The, the translations here, actually other translations capture the fact that this is a plural. Mercies. In light of God's mercies, God's many mercies, day after day, moment after moment, offer your bodies as living sacrifice in light of God's many, many mercies. Don't be conformed or be transformed. I love mercy. In light of God's mercy, we present ourselves as living sacrifices. Don't be the conformity chameleon. Be the transformation butterfly. And then it says in the very end of that verse, then we can test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. God has good things planned for your life and for your future. God has good things planned for your life and your future. And God's will for us is good, pleasing, and perfect. We cannot do better than God's will for our life. We're not meant to do better. I've been thinking a lot about this verse from the Psalms. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I was driving up to church a few months back on a Sunday morning, and I was chuckling to myself, thinking about whatever stupid story I was going to share. And I was thinking about how much fun church was going to be, or how much fun I hope church was going to be. 
uh, or at least how much fun I think church should be. And I thought, you know, I think we kind of messed it up that we say to ourselves, not taste and see that the Lord is good. We say, we say, taste and see that the Lord is good for you, like broccoli or fish oil pills or Lipitor. <laughs> taste and see that the Lord is good, not just good for you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. We live in response to God's mercy, his goodness. We have a friend who told us that his girlfriend asked him, do these jeans make me look fat? And of course, there are only two possible correct answers to that question. Answer number one is, no, of course not. And answer two is, is that my phone ringing? I think I hear my phone ringing. But our friend, he shocked us. He came up with the third correct answer to this question. He said, yeah, my girlfriend asked me, do these jeans make me look fat? And he said, yes, they do. And it looks good. <laughs> Taste and see that the Lord is good. How can I make the most of the rest of my life? What did we talk about today? What should we do? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. How do we do it? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And why should we do it? In light of God's mercy. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I'm going to read it one more time. Maybe close your eyes. Let these words soak over you as I read them. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing, and perfect will. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you please just keep your eyes closed and let's continue in prayer now. God, what a good God you are. You are good. And we offer ourselves as much as ourselves as we can to you now. We love you and we thank you that you have always provided for us. And we draw near to you. God, we give you thanks for the lives that were changed yesterday at Alpha Day Away. We give you thanks for the baptisms and renewal of baptisms. And we know that you are not done yet with us, with our church, with our community, with our island, with our world, that you are working even now for your kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so right now, as people have their eyes closed, both online and in the sanctuary, maybe those words from Francis Chan shook you up. Maybe you've heard something from the Holy Spirit within inside you, or today in the sanctuary or at home, they've shaken you up. Maybe for the first time, you want to make a decision to follow Jesus 
to give your life, all of your life to God. Maybe you're a Christian who's given two hours on Sunday morning and 2%, and now you feel committed to say, I want to give more. I want to offer myself as a living sacrifice to God in light of God's mercy. If that's you, would you just raise your hand so myself and Pastor Dan can pray for you. Raise your hands here in the sanctuary or online. You can click the button. Praise God. The angels rejoice, and we do too. Feel free to click that button. Put your hands down in the sanctuary. Thank you so much. Let's continue to pray. God, may your Holy Spirit empower us. May we be yielded to you. May we be transformed. We pray this all in the strong and powerful name of Jesus Christ. And all God's children say, amen. Amen. And now we're going to have communion together. So those of you online, you might get your bread and your juice right now. In our tradition, we have only two sacraments, baptism and communion, because those are the two things that the Lord commanded us to do on a regular ritual basis. And we've learned in communion that deep in our souls, there's a voice that says, I love mercy. This is what it's all about. And that the Lord is good. We know that, but the original disciples didn't know that on that communion day or night. It was during a Passover meal at night that the Lord gathered his best friends, disciples and others, and during the meal, he picked up a piece of unleavened bread. And after having given thanks, he blessed it, and then he broke it. And he said, every time you eat of this bread, do so in remembrance of me. And they didn't fully understand then, but we can understand today that it was a, a wonderful symbol, a metaphor, that his body would be torn apart for our sake, crucified, whipped, nailed. And then he picked up a cup and said, every time you drink of this cup, do so in remembrance of me. And we think it was the third cup out of four cups that are uh, drunk during a um, Passover meal, which represent the cup of atonement. It's all about mercy. We love mercy. That God's blood shed on the cross would cover all of our sins. So we'd get a second and third and fourth chance. We love mercies. And the broken bread reminds us that he loves us so much that he gave his life for us. And so today, when we take the, the cup and the bread, it is no small thing. God himself, the almighty God, came to earth in the form of a man, and he did this for us. Okay, I think all have been served at this point. And so, Lord, you asked us to do this in remembrance of you, and we now take the bread together. And then, Lord, you told us to take the cup together. And so we now do that both in person and online. Please join me in prayer. 
Dear Heavenly Father, we are so amazed of your mercies and how good you are that you would come to this earth in the form of Jesus Christ, who loves us in so many ways. And it's so practical that, Lord, when you were here on earth, you taught us a prayer, which we today call the Lord's Prayer. For when your disciples asked, how do we pray? You said, pray like this, regularly. And so now we stand and sing the prayer, which we call the Lord's Prayer. It's great to sing that in person again, doesn't it? And online. And so uh, just before my final blessing, my final benediction for you all, I just want to remind you that our prayer team is right through that back glass door there. And um, if you want to um, have some prayer, the prayer team would love to do that in a confidential way. Online, just hit the button that you want some prayer. And if you committed your life to Christ, uh, when Chris led that prayer, just hit that commit button. And uh, that would be great to do that. And I want to again uh, mention that... Um, those of you who would like coffee, it's right out that way. Those of you who are new, please sign up at the, uh, that we get to know you at the welcome table. And that those who are praying for U Ukraine, is in the Malka room right after the service. And now receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his countenance be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love and mercy of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name. Amen. God bless you all. Ahui ho. See you next week. Aloha. Let's pursue transformation as we seek to do the will of God here on earth. If you want to catch up on or re-listen to previous services, you can find past sermons on our websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. You can also find First Prez sermons on most major podcast services and also on YouTube. Good news, First Prez is back to worshiping in person. No sign up necessary. Services are Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. at the Ko'olau campus. And of course, the services will be streamed live online once again on the websites fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. Remember to sign up on the website for First Pres emails for links to sermons, daily devotionals, church news and updates, and lots more. And as always, if there's anything First Pres can do for you, please reach out through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Senior Pastor Dan Chan and the entire staff at First Pres, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2022 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.